0: You're listening to the Strategies of Work podcast for February 2013. Today's episode is Money, How to Use It. Most of us are preoccupied with retirement. We work as hard as we can to make as much money as we can so we can retire as soon as we can. Then we can do what we want to do, when we want to do it, and how we want to do it. We consider this to be ultimate freedom, doing our will according to our ways. Money is a tool to do God's will according to God's ways. This means that money should be used to acquire true riches, eternal wealth. Therefore, organizations must seek clarity from the Lord on how to properly steward their resources in alignment with the will and the ways of God. Likewise, managers should seek to help workers learn to live accordingly. If individual workers are not properly stewarding their own financial resources, it will be difficult, if not impossible, for the workers to steward organizational resources according to the will and ways of God. Astute organizational stewardship begins with individual stewardship. And now, Dr. Chester brings us the message titled, Money, How to Use It.
1: We're talking about money, and this is our second session. Last week, we, uh, we talked about what money is. Hopefully, um, you got the point that I think Revelation 3 is trying to make, which is money is a tool to do the will of God. We think money is security, we think money is significance, we think money is success, and the reality is money is simply a tool. So today we want to talk about how to use the tool. How do you properly use the tool? As a backdrop here, I just want to point point out one thing to you. Um, Proverbs chapter 21 verse 20 says this, In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil. But a foolish man devours all he has. So what this is telling us is wisdom is to save, to invest, to grow those assets. I think that is very clearly a biblical principle. Now, the challenge with that is the motive for why you're doing it and what you intend to do with it. So what I want to do is take you through a little text in Luke uh, that talks about that and gives us a biblical perspective of how to use money. Now in Luke chapter 12, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples. Now the way he was doing this is he was talking to them. It's like they were gathered around him. But around them were several thousand people. According to Luke chapter 12 verse 1 there, thousands of people were around and it was so many that they were, they were stomping on each other and bright, you know there was scuffling going on because everybody's wanting to listen to what Jesus is saying and so as he's having this conversation Jesus is talking about a number of things he talks about things like what you should fear don't fear somebody that can just lock you up fear somebody that can send you to hell that's a, that's a pretty significant point and he talks about the Pharisees the religious leaders and he talks about you don't listen to these people they're deceptive they're, they're teaching you lies so as he's having this conversation teaching his disciples some pretty serious things that largely are intended for them someone in the crowd says this teacher tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me now Jesus is fully God and fully man and there are times that he responds in his deity And there's times he responds in his humanity. Here he responds in his humanity. He says, man, who appointed me a judge and an arbiter between you and your brother? You see, in the Jewish custom of the time, the inheritance went to the oldest son. And the other siblings got nothing. So obviously this was one of the other siblings. And he's trying to to make a, a certain claim for his inheritance. What he thinks is his inheritance. And Jesus simply points out. It's not my role in my humanity to overturn the cultural mandate. Furthermore, the decoration that the Father has made in his will. So Jesus refuses to engage in that. But he says then, he uses this as a springboard to jump into a conversation about money, specifically greed. Because what Jesus recognized was the reason the man asked the question was the man was greedy. So he went on to say this, he says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. You ever thought about greed, there are different kinds of greed? You know, it's something I spend a lot of time looking at, and I don't know that I have a lot of revelation on that, but the fact that Jesus points out there are all kinds of greed suggests that greed is, is a more complex thing than we might think. There are more nuances to it than we may realize. He says, Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Another way to say this is success is not denominated in dollars. Significance is not denominated in dollars. Now, I know you've heard those words, but you probably really don't believe it. Most of us don't believe that because we think success is about having money. We talked about that last week about Carlos Slim and. And we talked about Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. all of us respect them because they are the three richest men in the world, at least that we know of. And that's why we respect them. But we don't ask the question, what's really in their heart? We don't go beyond the money. And so we're very much like the people back in the first century. We think money is significance, money is success, money is security. And Jesus is saying, that's not true. Those are lies. Money is not success. It is not significance. It is not security. So watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So then he tells them a parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. That's a very interesting way to say it. Most of us, when we talk about somebody who's made a bunch of money or is wealthy, we talk about how skilled he is. If we look at somebody like Warren Buffett, man, he is a very skilled investor. And we start studying him. There are books written about Buffett. There are, there are news exposes about Buffett. He's interviewed. His annual meeting is an incredible. It's a circus. People go up to Omaha, Nebraska and spend the whole weekend, and he entertains them with all kinds of events, including, you know, his, his witty little speeches. But he's clearly a bright man. But you know, it was, it's not Buffett. it's the skill that God gave Buffett. It's the opportunity that God gave Buffett. It's the partners that God gave Buffett. It's the ultimately the economy that Buffett has had to deal with. All these things Buffett really had very little to do with because everything Buffett has, has been given to him. Now think about that. Everything you have has been given to you. For example, did you create yourself? No did you did you define how you would think and, and what you would be able to see and understand and your skills and ability, your personality, did you define any of that? no you don't define any of that, it's given to you, do you define when you're born how long you live? no, you don't define that you define very little in life, it's all given to us so this is a very correct way to see reality the business that you're in If it is profitable, it's because God has made it profitable. He's using you to work it. He's using you to steward it. But he is the one ultimately that's yielding the abundance through the work that you're doing. So the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, this is always dangerous when we start thinking to ourselves. What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. What shall I do? So then he said, he's got this internal conversation going on, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones and then I will store my surplus grain. Now I have some clients that are in the agricultural business so I've had the privilege of learning something about the ag business and one of the things that I've learned is that grain is storable. You can store it for years and one of the challenges um, in the ag business is if you've got farmers that are not happy with the price of grain, they just stick it in the storage bins and they wait till they are happy with the grain. And so if you are a buyer or seller of grain like some of my clients are, that can be frustrating because they, they've got demand from their customers for grain and the farmers won't sell because the grain is storable. So he, this guy realizes, hey, I can store this grain up and I can sell it a little bit at a time. And, I, hey, I got, I'm on easy street now what do we call that? what do we call that? when a person gets to that place where they got plenty of resources and they don't have to work anymore we call it retirement retirement. that's right and we got all kinds of people around here selling us retirement plans and that becomes a big deal and please remember how we started off it's good to have a wise man has reserves he has assets he builds a base of assets so you want to do that But notice that there's a whole mindset about retirement. And retirement is all about not working anymore. Correct? Know what it is? And when people retire, it's so they can go do what? Whatever they want to do. They can go do their will according to their ways wherever and whenever they want. It's like this is the epitome of freedom like this is the ultimate in life is to get to retirement this is the picture that's painted so this guy that's his picture too hey I've got enough I don't have to work anymore I can retire and I can take life easy he says this I'm gonna say to myself you have plenty of grain laid up for many years take life easy eat drink and be merry go have fun it's all about the fun and so this is the mindset here now This is, even though it's a first century parable, it's very relevant today. We all identify with that. Most everybody, if we're brutally honest, we are working to retire. That is, we're working to not work. You ever thought about that? You're working so you don't have to work. Now, what I want to do is challenge you. Why are you working? Are you working just so you don't have to work? Are you working to just build up enough assets to where you can you can take life easy, eat, drink and be merry and do your will according to your ways? Is that what it's all about? Now sadly, if we're brutally honest that's pretty much how we think. I find this routinely dealing with people and I have the privilege of dealing with people literally all over the world and this is a very common idea and the the thought that maybe that's maybe not as biblical as you think is a foreign thought to most. So let's let Jesus tell us, do a course correction here for us, a mindset correction. He said this, but God said to him, and interesting, God's going to speak to him. He says, you fool. Now, remember Proverbs twenty-one twenty. we start out with saying, the wise man has stores of choice, food, and oil. He builds assets, but the fool devours everything he has. Now, here's a fool that hasn't devoured everything he has. He's done something different. You see, there are different ways to be a fool. He's a fool because he thinks these assets are his security. These assets are going to grant him the grace to be able to live the way he wants to live, to go buy that retirement home if he wants, to go on on vacations. I've got a, a good client that, you know, when he heard some of this teaching... He came up to t- tell me about some friends of his that had retired recently. He said, they're on a vacation every week. They go on a cruise and they come back and they, they just wash their clothes and then they take off and go up to the mountains for the ski for a while and they come back and, you know, they wash their clothes again and they take off and go to the beach. He said, they're just gone all the time. They're almost never here. This is one one party after another. I said, where, where is all that leading where's all that going? He says, it looks like to me they're absolutely bored silly no don't know what to do because it's all about their will and their ways. No thought to what God might have to say about this, which is why God says you fool. This very night your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what what you prepared for yourself? That's a very practical reality. You worked hard build up all those assets and now you're going to retire and suppose the Lord takes you that very night you retire he decides it's time for you to come home now who gets your assets? see most people when they start thinking about that they really don't like that you know because they worked hard and most of the time when we work hard for assets we sacrifice something it's hard to keep balance in life, have you all noticed that? you have trouble keeping balance in life? you work hard to get those assets, what what gets sacrificed many times? the children, the family, and when the children and the family are sacrificed they are not learning the skills they need to live life well so you're not parenting them well and so now your assets go to them and they squander the assets. Anybody seen that? yeah, you know you, all you gotta do is spend some time with estate planning attorneys as I have And you find out they've got provisions in there. They've got these spendthrift clauses and things they put into wills and documents. Because they see this all the time. Where people go spend their life to make all this money so they can retire and do their will according to their ways. And what gets sacrificed is the family. And then the inheritance goes and gets squandered. So this is just an example of what happens when we think non-biblically about retirement. He says this, this is verse 21 here. This is how it will be. With anyone who stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Now, please know, he's not saying there's anything wrong with storing up things. You should store up things. We know that from Proverbs 21.20. The problem is, why are you doing it? And ultimately, how are those funds used? You see, if you're doing it for you to do your will according to your ways that will not be blessed. But if you're doing this because God has directed you to build the organization or work where you're working and God gives you a blessing of money and money is not necessarily a blessing. money's not necessarily a blessing. We see this in Psalm 73. Psalm 73 paints a picture of people that have a bunch of money but they don't know the Lord. They don't have stewardship skills and their agenda is all about their will and their ways when you have money and you don't have the maturity to manage it what happens is that it emboldens you in your rebellion against God and it puts you on a slippery slope to judgment so money without stewardship skills is judgment money with stewardship skills is blessing so you have got the two options there so what he's saying here is you want this money to be a blessing to you then you need to use these resources to build up wealth that God values. And what is it that wealth God values? Well, it's very simple. Some simple examples of this are found like in the book of Proverbs, chapter 8. It says wisdom is more precious than silver or gold. Another text in Proverbs says reputation is more valuable than gold obedience is more valuable than gold discipleship is more valuable than gold stewardship skills in you that is skills to live well in God's universe according to his principles more valuable than gold this is the way you should use money you don't use money to do your will and your ways you don't use money to save up so you can retire and not work you use money to do God's will according to God's ways some of you have heard of William W. Uh, Edwards Deming's? W, William Edwards Deming. You know him? You heard his name? Yeah. Was awesome. Deming was the man that turned Japan, the Japanese uh, uh, industry around after World War II. In World War II, the industry in Japan was absolutely demolished. And he went over there, and by the way, he was a Christian, he had a background very similar to, to mine, I have a PhD in physics, he had a PhD in physics but he had turned into a business consultant as I have and he went to Japan and he began to teach them biblical principles of business now he didn't tell them that's what he was doing, he just taught them the principles and they employed the principles and over time the Japanese industry recovered and by the by the early 1980s the Japanese industry was far better than the US industry So. ABC sent out a news team to find out why this was and they traced in their research they traced it back to Deming so they contacted him and said you know Deming we'd like to talk to you about why is it that things have gone so well for Japan and they everybody points their finger at you and he said well he sat down and talked to him explained what he did when that news program aired a few weeks later Deming whose consulting practice at that time was fairly meager. He did seminars around the country teaching these principles. He had usually had 15-20 people in the seminar. He had a few clients. Just a kind of a meager practice. He's 80 years old, by the way, at this time. But when that exposé showed on TV, his phone started ringing off the hook. All of a sudden, his seminars had thousands of people attending he's got demands from the Fortune 500 companies wanting him to come consult with them. He was able to cherry-pick what he did. Now Deming's 80. He should be retired, right? By the way, his daughters started complaining to him. His grown daughters were fussing at him because they had to make an appointment to see him. So finally they came to him and said, Dad, this is ridiculous. You're 80 plus years old. You're working harder than ever. You know, you should be retired, and we can't see you. We have to make an appointment to see you. He said, girls, you need to understand that God has been preparing me for these 80 years for now. And now he's opened the door of opportunity, and this is prime time for me. I do not believe in your view of retirement. I believe I'm here to do the will of God according to the ways of God. My job is to do my assignment. And that's what I must do and I will have time for you I just need you to schedule it I can't be available at your whim you just need to schedule it and I'll spend time with you but you see he had a biblical view he was willing to take money and trade up he used money to trade up to true riches which is wisdom which is obedience which is righteousness which is discipling others into the will and ways of God, which is modeling for others how to live according to the will and ways of God. He lived until his early 90s. He never retired. And the the, the richest part of his life was from age 80 to the 90s because he was determined to do the will of God according to the ways of God, not the traditional view of retirement where I'm 80, I'm hanging him up, or I'm 70, I'm hanging him up and I'm going to go do my will according to my ways. So this is the distinction between a biblical view of money and a secular view of money. It comes down to your motive. It comes down to the use of resources. May God give us the grace to use resources to always advance his will according to his ways and never to advance our will according to our ways.